today, to month, to month, this month, this month, this month on Sit Podcast. <laughs> You're a Yorkshireman, aren't you, man? That's how they talk there. Originally, yeah. yeah. You just removed the T's from everything. T- but then also it's just the tit noise. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. The album with the dick tongue. Yeah. It's, it's been so, I think, oh, what is it? Another Perfect Day has got a dick tongue on it as well. But this is like <laughs> a really obvious dick tongue. Kiss like, of Death really might have a dick obvious. tongue on it as well. I can't remember. I have to go back and look. But yeah, so I wasn't going to bring that up as the first thing about the album cover but yeah it's it's really prominent because on the cd it kind of yeah it's just because it's a bit smaller and everything you can't it's not a noticeable it, it's front and center really oh and the mouth of a vagina yeah oh okay the the throat of vagina so yeah, you didn't yeah. see that on the cd because it was that small and i probably hadn't seen many vaginas at that point in my life but now clear as day that's a vagina and uh, the background art of the the dudes going to war there as well. This this is all new to me. See, it's a, it's a really fucking cool cover. It's it's gone from just being just a drawing of the war pig or anything. It's almost like it's like a more lifelike version of it. But yeah, it's like there's some nasty like looks like details in there. On this, it? It, looks, huh? it looks like March or Die should be on it. It's yeah, it's got, it's got that vibe to it. Yeah, it's it's gone from it. It's more organic rather than like a lot of the other covers look like it's it's supposed to be made of steel or metal or something like this. Is just it's so flesh and bone. Fuel, uh, flesh and bone, exactly. Oh, and the the crosses in the far background have the war pigs on top of them. That's cool. Back very the cool cover. cover that. Like unfortunately, because it was released in nineteen ninety five, it's mainly on CD. And everything, so you don't really get that. It's only as the the vinyl reissues have come out that. I don't really know. On the back of the cover, they're trying to do that. I'm too cool to care that I'm in a band thing, but given what we know of, of the situation, where's all looks like you really cannot be asked being there. Yeah, these. <laughs> we'll get on to to Wurzel's involvement on this record, which isn't much. Yeah, I'm not too sure exactly what he plays on. It's not much though. I'll tell you the ones when we get there because I do. This is the last one of the the Where's the Lineup in it, or a decade of. Yep, last last four piece album. And then onto the classic lineup. Is it not the classic lineup? The the last lineup, the yeah. good lineup. Yeah. <laughs> the the, the one modern that we lineup. know of most with all what we've seen. So, uh, when do we address the Where's the thing? We might as well do it out the gates. Why did he leave? I don't really know. Kind of, there's not a lot of. Stuff on it. I think he just kind of, he wasn't really that much involved with what was going on in the studio. Not really involved with the writing process. And eventually, just, just had enough and just, just didn't turn up. Mm. It's an odd situation because it, everything really came together on Bastards, and it really seemed like it was a team effort on that. And to be, I think March or Die as well because I think yes, it is on March or Die where you've got the album or the the lyric sheet showing who plays a solo when, which is really yeah, cool. Yeah, so you can see how him feel like how they interact and how the solos really do flow together. But say that continues on Bastards, but unfortunately he's just not here anymore. I mean, this this is a lot more modern or modern Motorhead sound and it's really the start of it. Say Wurzel's not on that mon- much of it, so really it is the, um, the start of the modern three-piece lineup. So there's lots of different sources uh, 
different points of view, different interviews from things. In the studio book, which is the Bible that we've been going, says, Lemmy recalled in his autobiography, so this is taken from White Life Fever, it became clearer and clearer every day that Wurzel was on his way out of the band. He wouldn't extend himself at all and usually just sat there while we were writing songs with his guitar on his knees. When we stopped playing, he stopped playing. And when we started again, he would too. The whole thing with him seemed like it happened overnight. But of course, it had been building up for a long time. It was very difficult for me because we, for years we had be, he'd been my best friend in the band. And then he became a person I didn't know and who hated me. And could break, and that could break your heart. And Phil Campbell added, he didn't contribute hardly anything to writing. He was there when we wrote it, but he didn't contribute hardly anything at all, really. And I did, and and he did only a couple of solos, but he played on the album. So he played solos on Dogface Boy and Under the Sun. Played rhythm on some other things. Another quote from Lemmy says that someone got in his ear about money. Someone yeah. was telling him that he should be making more money, and he said Lemmy was taking his money. To which Lemmy responded, "What the fuck do I need Wurzel's money for? I'm still getting checks from Hawkwind." Yeah, and yeah. then and maybe it's something to do with like Phil being in the band as well, stepping up, doing all this, all those. You know, we don't press at the time. I've been focusing more on the younger guy in there. There's yeah, all, I mean, it's a perfect storm, isn't it? It does say like Phil and Mickey were basically writing most of the most of the rhythm stuff on the album, and Lemmy was coming in sort of afterwards with lyrics and. And bass parts. According to Mickey, he says that him and Phil wrote nine out of the eleven riffs on the album. Yeah, yeah. I Which suppose like nine. I mean, we talk about like it's nine years at this point because he both joined in eighty six. Then they with orgasm yeah, or eighty five, eighty six. So and, and then you've got to put us into the nine years on top of that, the touring, being in the yeah. studio all the time. There's been no real downtime, has they? Between um. Even between lineup changes, new drummers and everything, there's been no downtime for this band at all. Yeah, speaking of the something that was mentioned in the book, it's quite interesting. The producer himself, Ryan Dawn, said he thought it was too soon to go back in there to do another album. He thought the material just wasn't ready. When was Bastards released? Because I think March or Die was ninety two. Mm-hmm. It's Bastards ninety three on it. Yeah. yeah, you can see. I can see how they might, they might be accused of burnout. I do like this record. I think there's one or two songs on it which, just off the top of my head, because it's been a few months since I've listened to this. There's one or two songs off the top of my head that I think drag a bit. But generally, I think on the whole, it's a, it's a decent album. But it's the bar was set so high with bastards. But it's just a shame that off that creative high that. There is a bit of a dip here, yeah. But it's it's still a solid record, it really is. The Dawn himself said, the songs were a little self-indulgent, and Lem had a tendency as a writer to get a little on on the self-indulgent side when I think he's scared and doesn't have something that really can resonate and is visible. It's very easy in one of those situations to start looking inward and points where it's almost a comic book representation of what you want your commentary to be. Lyrically, I think he could have done. Lyrically, I think he could have thought through stuff because half the beauty of what he does is put comedy in motion. It's lean, focused, and simple, and that's a process in the honing. He starts with something, and then he sort of hones in on it. Uh, gets the idea, where is it? Summation, uh, Dawn basically said they didn't have enough stuff ready when they came in, and Lemmy kind of admits that as well, but he thinks... Lemmy's point of view is that we came up with good stuff on the fly, but 
Yeah, I mean, Phil, I mean, we'll get into this Another problem when we go through stuff. Is, uh, the, this had a third of the budget the bastards had, so they had less money as that, and they were in a different studio, they were in yeah. Cherokee. I don't think this sounds as good as Bastards. Even it the seems, producer says that. Yeah, yeah it said. sounds... It's almost like you've got a pair of earmuffs over, mm. over like, the guitars. It's really hard to explain. Like, you've got... Obviously, coming off of March or Die, they're really clean-sounding guitars, and they got a bit more edgy once they got onto Bastards and they yeah. started, like, refining the sound a bit more. But this... I'm not saying it sounds like the guitars recorded on a potato, but <laughs> you know the mic. I don't know what it is. They they just sound really muffled and just really distorted. Well, the dude. It uh, works well on some songs, just not at the records as a whole. My opinion, anyway. I think Benson O'Donnell said the like the focus of this album for them as technicians was to get the best drum sound possible. Because apparently Cherokee's not a great place to record big drums and Mickey D's a big drummer with a yeah. big loud sound. So they had to put so much focus and effort into making those drums sound perfect that the guitars were just a matter of just fucking getting down. <laughs> yeah. Of, well, we know why the drums are, are a big part of this record. Um, we'll see from the first track. This is a good enough segue as any to get into the first track. Lots to discuss. Lots of great songs, and let's start them off with track number one, which is, drum roll please. Uh, oh, it's a title track. <laughs> Sacrifice, when it goes a little something like this. Drop that needle. That Mickey D though, man. It's tune and a half, isn't it? He is a fucking amazing drummer, that guy. That's a that's a great song, is what that is. It shouldn't work, and it does. <laughs> it's just chaos, isn't it? It's yeah. Just, it's just a wall of noise falling down on a bus full of children. That song. It's fan fucking tastic. Just that 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 drum pattern coming in. That yeah. that's not that's not a verse. That's not a verse, is it? <laughs> Uh, there's just nothing wrong with that song. Even like the the it's pretty much standard bollocks motorhead lyrics, but the good bollocks motorhead lyrics. The woman stitched the shrouds. The children murder all the world. If only you believe, then only you will die. Fucking yeah, dude. Metal, proper mm. fucking metal. Reference to to Kane as well there. Eh? Which Kane? Kane and, and Abel, Abel Kane. Or Kane of WWE. For no, Kane and Abel oh, Kane. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> Crawling with the mark of Kane, and no one shall set you free again and again. Again, nice simple little two fucking verse thing there, and three. Yeah, it feels much. I mean, you look at the lyrics there, and like it's like an inch on the lyric sheet, and like it just feels like such a bigger song. Well, it felt to me like it was going to be much longer, but that's because this yeah. is where the drum solo would be. Yes. <laughs> so I I was ready to start like checking my phone. <laughs> I think the drum solo is like like the live version of it is makes the song twice as long at least. Yeah, yeah. It's probably but, longer but than the actual song, but yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of drum solos, but that that that's a solo that I'm 
I'm all in favour of. The only criticism is that he didn't change it up much. That threw in like the the fifteen years mm-hmm. or so that we were watching them, like it was pretty much. You look forward to the drum solo because it's cool, like the first time you saw it, but it lost a bit. There was like a, 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 a basically when you're watching the stage show, you can see when it comes to that, and Lemmy and Phil just like put the heads down and walk off stage. Yeah. It's like, all right, I'm gonna go for a slash. <laughs> yeah, you want to be fair. To be fair, though, that said, you'd be disappointed if you if they start playing Sacrifice and they either didn't do the drum solo or they did a different drum solo. I think it's a considering what everyone in the process said about this album like just hearing the first track back straight away it's like fuck yeah this is a great yeah. album i love like the the process of which it was written where it was phil and mickey putting down just 20 minutes of drums and let me come in and go what the fuck is that it's a, it's a weird contradiction of the in-studio situation because everyone says that Lemmy's really hands-on and uh, he's like demands everything his way but because he's creating his artistic vision he wants to see it through yada 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 but then they also say he just wouldn't show up sometimes so yeah. it be left to Phil and, and Mickey to get on with it. It feels like it with, with this and I don't know if it's more that we're just getting Phil and Mickey's version of events for this yeah. album but they seemingly write 90% of the of the rhythm on this and then Lem comes in and puts like some really good lyrics on this album. But it... not being there. The I keep forgetting his fucking name, the producer. It's Howard Benson. Howard Benson, yeah. He had such like a rough time on the last album that he had like a uh, like anxiety and every and like, you know, shortness of breath and like he was close to dying. He really didn't want to do it again. But he came back because he knew it was gonna be a good album. But he did put into effect something that someone else had before him, the motorhead clause, which is the motorhead clause. The motorhead clause, as an insurance policy of sorts, to ensure that their sound recording collaboration went as smoothly as possible, the producer initiated a motorhead clause in his contract. Quote: Because Lemmy had a tendency not to show up at the studio, or he'd show up whenever he wanted to, and a lot of the times the producer got stuck with the bill, so producers would put these clauses in, state that if the artist didn't show up at the session. The band was responsible for the money, and that came up because of Lemmy. So when I started producing the record, I was aware of all that stuff, and I was like, definitely not going to let that happen. To it does give you an insight into into the workings mm-hmm. <laughs> of that band in the studio. And I mean, we know like it's not a new thing that they come in and write songs in ten minutes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it just doesn't surprise me at all. One thing I know I criticised, like, the guitar sound earlier, but towards the outro, or when it gets to the outro on this, when the drums um, drop out and the guitar kit just lays over the top, that's such a cool sounding yeah. guitar that they've got on there. Just just really raw and powerful on there. It's just, it, it works for this song. I'm not saying it works for everything for this song. It's brilliant. And this is why this song is pretty much a staple, or was staple of the set for the next I wonder how many times they played it live 20 years I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen a site where it counts the amount of times they played the songs I can look into that so Mickey D said of the title track we went in and did this fuck it in 20 minutes I had this drum beat I had made basically during a drum solo with Dokken 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 I say Dokken before Campbell added uh, that the song started off with that Latin thing no, oh, yeah, it's like a fucking roots, bloody yeah. roots, isn't it? Yeah. 
20 minutes to write when we had what we wanted i went in and did all the drums and we built it from there we recorded it just guitars and drums and then played it for howard and lem and said all right just sit down take a deep breath see what you think about this and i remember said what the hell is this <laughs> and the rest is history great song great start to the album let's do the next track next track I, d- I like it though. It is a good Sex song. Yeah, uh, it's one of those ones that I've never really appreciated. So listen, listen back to it in context of the whole album. It's it's a good little banger, that. Yeah, it's, it's really similar to like Defo Glory on on Bastard. It's a short, sharp, quick mm. song that kicks straight into it. Doesn't relent it's, it all the way through. It sounds more nineties. Um, like yeah, it's, it's evolving a bit more. Yeah, even though like the vocals aren't that clear. I mean, maybe it's because we listen to it on this tiny little speaker. Like, but... There's some really good lines in there. The answer to life's mystery is simple and direct. Sex and death. death. That's all it's about, isn't it? it, That could sum up Lem's whole philosophy Mm. on life because, you know, son of a a minister who rejected anything to do with religion and that's pretty much it. That's what it's about. It's a good philosophy. You're on about what people are here for. That's pretty much it. He said of the song it had an unsafe and vicious rhythm. Vicious. Great fucking quote. Show me your guitar. Show me your guitar. I love when people say shit in the middle of the song. Man, it's so corny. I love it. It's like the good kind of corny. We should get a list of like the top ten best ones. <laughs> Make it happen, bass player. <laughs> hey, what is it? Man, get the fucking night bus home. Is another good one. <laughs> oh, what's the one off? Um, oh, it's off Ace's face. Western movies. Western is movies. Western movies. <laughs> <laughs> the subject of the song. <laughs> Sex and Death, it's fucking. It can also work as one of those war songs, really. I don't know if it's because he just says trenches in the first line, but he's covering his bases, isn't he? Because we say it's just songs about war, it's songs about fucking. Yeah, it's that's pretty much his album, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> I guess in terms of a theme, that's what they were going for there. Did you know uh, Sacrifice was in that Tromeo and Juliet movie? I've seen it a long time ago. I've never seen it. I've been meaning to watch it for years because it's, uh, what's his name? Gun's first script. And... Oh, is it? Yeah. I didn't realise that. I just, I just really like Lloyd Calvin. Do you know what? That, I know Lemmy's in it. And I've, I don't know why I've only just remembered this, but when I went to see the original, this has gone way off topic, the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie where they're in the um, where they're in the prison and, like, one of the prisoners, I was yes. I was like, shit, it's Lloyd Calvin. Yeah, and Lloyd everyone Calvin. who was with him was like, who the fuck <laughs> is Lloyd Calvin? <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, it's the trauma guy. Yeah. So true. that's that's where the he gave uh, James Gunn a start. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's why he's in it. <laughs> Little uh, B movie facts there for you guys. I'm sure there's a crossover. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get to Tromeo and Juliet at some point. Oh, we're, Maybe we're, for we're, Valentine's Day <laughs> seems more appropriate. Uh, any 
anything else for this one? It's just a good song. I, isn't it's it? just a bang. You can see how short it is from like the space of the groove on the <laughs> record. <laughs> I think it didn't that's need one. Didn't to be any longer though, did it? Yeah, I think that's one where they say it's written in like ten minutes. It was like the last song written for the album. And it's like fuck, we've only got like ten minutes left. <laughs> it's like, just write quick. I think it's in top tier of stuff on this album. Good place. Good place yeah. to put it. Yeah, even though it's. It's short and rushed. It's it's a banger. It's it's fitting in any set really. Gets people jumping up and that. It's it does that second place on an album is really important sometimes because it's keeping that momentum going off your big first track. Yeah, because uh, I guess in your head you're thinking right, we've got to get this first track right. Yeah. You never stop to think like, well, people can stop listening straight away, mate. Yeah. And that could easily happen, but that's got me involved in this album. I'm ready to hear what's next. I'm excited to hear what's next. I can't remember what's next. I'll tell you what's next. Over your shoulder. door that was oh christ was that the live extra track on the double disc hammered special edition i can't remember i've only got a, a vinyl copy of hammers i is the only problem we're getting vinyls you don't yeah. get bonus <laughs> tracks or anything it's like very that. much in my mind as a live song list because i must have been one of my my many motorhead playlists is just a live version because it's a good example of lemmy vocals this i don't know why i say that but i think it is and there's an explanation in the book as to like the set, when they're setting up the vocals in the studio, how like because he always needs the low end of the bass to come through, he puts a distance between his mouth and the microphone yeah. so they can pick up the low end of the vocals without the distortion of the noise around it. So it's low end vocals, low end yeah. guitar. Clever, isn't it? But the song itself, it's it's a good rhythm. It's just it drags. I don't think it goes anywhere. I think that's a problem. Three because 17. With... With the verse, it's kind of just a bit of a key change. For I mean, it changes up for the chorus. It's a bit of a, a change to further up the neck, but it's it doesn't change it up enough for me. No, not, and nothing happening. I mean, I was saying it was to the album's benefit on Sacrifice, that guitar sound, because this is a bit more intricate where you've got the little guitar fills. They get lost a bit because of the muffled sound of the guitars, sure. and I think like this suffers... This suffers. This track suffers because of it, because of that guitar sound. Like if they had a cleaner guitar sound, like you had on Bastards or mm. March or Die, we might be talking a bit differently about the song. I can also kind of see a point of annoyance here for like Wesel showing up for this and like, well, why do we need two guitarists on this song? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this... it's a chugger chugger rip all the way through, isn't it? There's not really, there's not really anything major in terms of solo or anything yeah. there either. It's, um. It's more just because the pace is that lumbering. It's, I mean, it's as you say, it's a good example of of Lemmy's vocal style and on there. Songwriting as well, really. To be yeah. fair, it's just I think it. I think if either the issues with tempo or the 
sound quality issues were fixed, I don't think we'd have this much of a gripe with it. Mm. But it's the two combines. But yeah. there are some goods. If they if they put like a change the song completely, I'd be a much bigger fan. Yeah. One bit that really annoys me, and it's probably only me that picks up on it. Like at the start, anyone who's been in a band where the guitar's gone out of sync with the drummer, and then rather than stop, they're trying to work their way back in. The intro of the song sounds like that situation okay. to me, and it's always annoyed me. <laughs> like people in bands will know exactly what I mean by that. But it's just noise and sounds awful, and you just like just get back in sync so you can start or stop and start <laughs> again. <laughs> Should we see? We have better luck with the second track, third track. Third, no, fourth. Fourth track. It's because the second was that yours. Okay, track number four. four. War for war. Track number four. Lighting myself of the sunset. Devils and horses and banks. song uh lemmy said that the idea behind it was to be uh, a war from the pro side because he'd been writing anti-war songs for so long yet still getting shit from people for being pro-war just because yeah. he was into nazi memorabilia right so he was like well i'm gonna write a, a song that's about someone who's having a good time at war doing what did he do and then we'll see what people say about that and i guess no one had much to say about it because it to them it all just sounds the same they just hear yeah. war for war and they go, okay, it's another war song. I've got I've got I don't like the song. I think it's the worst on the album. Mm, it's up there. <laughs> I think it suffers from the same problem that Over Your Shoulder does where it almost seems like the drums and the guitar are going out of sync. One of the things I really don't like is like the chorus riff as well. I don't think that works for the vocal rhythm. Really? I don't think it does. I can't difference. Do, I can't sing and do that at the same time, obviously. But it it just doesn't feel like it. They fit together. It's like two. I would say that's pieces. my only favorite. My my only liked part of it is that because it sounds different. I mean, I, the the imagery that's produced in it's the lyrics the, yeah, it's is got really funk good. Of a vibe to it, doesn't it? It's just blood and war. I mean, like you look at. You read the lyrics and you look at the album cover and it's like, yeah, this is describing it. Howling for blood, the leaders into the soon-to-be-dead. <laughs> Chopping them down like leaves as the grass of the field turns red. The really, like, just wordplay is amazing there, but the image it conjures up is, like, horrifying. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's the cover of the album. <laughs> um, I like it on that level, on a lyric... A lyrical level but i think it's too close to um over your shoulder as well they should have split those up some way or another put one on a different side it's a good point yeah i mean i i need to hear the rest of the album to get a better sense of the rhythm of it but i, I would have preferred that somewhere near the end <laughs> so far uh i don't even remember what the next one sounds like you know fate of black 
Shall we have them play instead of you singing it to me? Maybe that should be the podcast from now on, the format of it. I'll try and remember what the song goes like. <laughs> you tweet at us at, at Modo Monthly if you want to hear just Matt dirt dirt daring his way through these songs. Order. Fade to black. Oh yeah, now it's come back to me. the bit after the solo where it came to the bass and then the lead and then the rhythm and then the yeah. drums blah, 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 blah. that it just feels like classic moed doesn't mm-hmm. it you know you know instantly like without obviously like one of the most iconic things is the vocal style but i think seconds after the bass yeah and like when that kicks in there's no dispute over like <laughs> yeah who this is like if you played this for just a casual fan and they just heard that it's like yeah this is my it's like it's it's an interesting song they're, they're trying a lot of different it sounds to me like that post metal 90s phase like like you know when halford was doing halford you know like, mm. like people are people who've been established as metal trying to like do something else with it which is, puts me in mind of an interesting quote from mickey d and <laughs> moo magazine Moo. Moo Magazine, which is a lot of quotes from Moo Magazine and Sacrifice. Uh, Sacrifice, he said, is a very good album. I tell you what, all the albums have been really, really good. I don't say that because I play on them, but I think they are. See, I keep saying this. If I do an album, I don't want to take two or three steps forward every year. If we only take one step or half a step every year, it's good. As long as we don't go backwards, as long as we don't start to sound like we're copying ourselves, each album is so different from the other, but it's still the same. It's still kind of the same motorhead. You won't get a better album than ours. So he's saying that it's about progressing the style one bit at a time, not, not yeah. like being like fucking coming out with like sacrifice and then the next album's like ambient noise bollocks, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one step. One idea, one inch forward. Don't give someone whiplash from the culture shock, which I think they're definitely doing here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's 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 definitely moving forward. Like we've seen it over the last few albums, going from well, even going back to Orgasmatron, really, where they sort of going through a more experimental sound, and then even more, some would argue, more commercialized sound, like yeah. they did on uh, March or Die. But yeah, it definitely shows like pushing forward, especially like as we know, this is coming to like going back to a pre, back to a three piece lineup. I think this this works more than the other two, um, more than like over the shoulder of over your shoulder and what was before that? Before war for war. No, because well, you've got over your shoulder and war for war, which are quite slow and lumbering. This has got a bit of that. 
Yeah. But because it has that change of tempo, it, it sets it out and it makes it just... It justifies it being there, yeah. Yeah, like so much more than the other songs. It's a dead weird vocal delivery, though, where you've almost got someone whispering in your ear and then shouting in the other <laughs> one. <laughs> a lot of words and parentheses in the lyric sheet there, yeah. It's a, a weird approach he's taking to it. It's uh, some kind of gang vocal thing, but that much gang to it. I like a good gang vocal. I think it's hard to do right. I know, it's even trying to break this down what it is yes red pain yes red blood sinking down black despair so white bone yes insane do you see order <laughs> i'm still trying to work out what the hell he's yeah, yeah, he's going on about i i do like this song though it's it's a welcome change of pace just another one of those um post-apocalyptic oh my god the horror deals i guess isn't it yeah good song i really like it. i mean i think it's the is it second or third verse I think it's the second verse, which I don't know if it's a, a description of the war pig or Snaggletooth, but you've got now white face, now red hands, iron stake everywhere, now chrome spikes, now insane, burning me. I d- it just really reminds me of that, and I don't know why. Some creepy stuff, man. Yeah. Creepy Say, stuff. So the delivery is, like, really unique as well. I mean, this is probably the most experimental song on this album. I mean, we've talked about mm-hmm, it, like, definitely. the Orgasmatron and March or Die. This is one of the times the experimental song like really works. I think it it's not set out as something at the end of the album or something that sounds completely different. It fits in with the style of the album, but it's trying something different. Best of both worlds. Yeah. Okay. And that goes back to T quote from Mickey there. Really sort of, it's taking a, a small step forward, but they are making strides with it. There's plenty of bands who try and change up their style between albums. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, people praise Bowie for it. But they don't listen to like his like ill advised like um drum and bass period. <laughs> Things like that. Like that stuff like that's forgotten. What was the album he there was an no album idea. he per- he Not released that they reckon was purposely bad as well to get out of a record mm. deal. Do you think there's any like bands that sound like this song about now? <sighs> Nearest you could get is something like Mastodon or something. Mm-hmm. Like, really, even though they're, like, super tuned down and just sludging, like, it's a whole, like, distortion turned up to, like, the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they sound a bit more, like, polished than this, but that's the nearest I can sort of... They are, they are pioneers of sound. Even the next track, I think, it's, like, a lot of people are taking influence from. Can we play the next track? Because I'm dying to play the next yeah. track. It's one of my fucking favourites. Last one on this side. The Dog Face Boys. Dog Face Boys. <laughs> the wiki for the movie Bolt, because... right? <laughs> of course, so you're the quick with... dog. Yes, Walt Disney Pictures Bolt 
from that awkward period where Walt Disney like, we don't need Pixar to make our own CG animated films. We can do them ourselves. And then they made this and it was terrible. And John Travolta was in it around the time his son died because he refused to give him medication. <laughs> yes. And the, and there is a scene in that where mo- uh, someone is listening to Motorhead on headphones, which apparently means they didn't have to justify putting it on the soundtrack because I've got a list of the soundtrack here and it's not on it. Sure, they would have to pay them some sort of... Probably, yeah, but you didn't have to put it on the CD when would they Would he listen to Dogface Boy? He was listening to Dogface Boy. Oh, that's that's what I'm bringing it up, yeah. So in, in terms of the context of the film, yeah. how does the song work? Uh, there's, there's a guy in the mail room listening to it on his headphones. I don't know why I remember that. But anyway, uh, great song. Is that why you like this song? Because I'm a big fan of the movie Bolt, Bolt yes, yeah. obviously. Duh, everyone knows it's this superior Disney-owned CG animated, far superior to, than the Robinsons or Dinosaurs starring Eddie Izzard. Or that one about the zoo. That. No, no one's seen because they're all fucking garbage. No, <laughs> no. This is not what we're here to talk about. No one cares about this. Dogface Boy, in my opinion, I want to say is about like one of these like these new kid on the block seeing metal guys who just like turn turn up on MTV one day, and they they're clearly only famous because of their but they're clearly only gonna get like, gallons of pussy because they're in a band and they're ugly as fuck. You know that that happened a lot. In the eighties, and God, God bless him. Good luck to them for it. But because the because there's lines in it like uh, "Dogface Boy, Werewolf Hero, Pride and Joy," uh, "Canine Weirdo, Dogface Boy." I think it's just about uh, a guy trying to a guy who's pushed his luck, a guy who's found himself in a very lucky position, and is probably not aware that he's got a fucking dog face. <laughs> I don't know if it was about that wildly. or about like. These people who've got like that uncontrollable thing where just hair grows all over them. Circus freaks. Yeah. Well, I don't know. He's written about everything else up until <laughs> this point. No, it's it's clearly about a re- like a, a symbolic thing. Like you look at the first verse, um Big Time Poor Boy Out Your Mind Again. So it's a, a kid, a poor boy from the middle of nowhere who's made a big He's been jet-planed outside looking for another friend. He's flying all around the world, but he's out his mind on drugs and shit because he's the fame's in excess. Oh my, look how give it up, twist and shout. He's up there doing his music thing. He doesn't really care about that, though. He's out there to get laid because he's a dog face. He's never had the opportunity to get laid before. And again, fair play to him. <laughs> it's exactly what I would do in that situation. Uh, good song, though. Yeah, the the it, you know it's gonna be a belter just as soon as the riff kicks in. Good, good riff in it. Yeah. yeah. Nice, clean, stable riff. Uh, one of the two wazels as well. Yeah, it's a cool solo at the end. It, it does like fade out. You, since he doesn't play much on the album, you you really wanted a bit more of him playing on there. Since this is kind of like one of the only things he does on it, but it's it's not taking any way anything away from the song. But it's just a belter of a song. It's a it's a great tune. Yeah, just like it just went just even kick the verse riff is brilliant, but just kicking into the chorus where it just kicks it up a notch and you know, ups the tempo a bit to go to go in there. It's it's just a, a proper like this is the song you play to pick the crowd up after playing a couple of slower tunes. I've not seen it on any uh, live CDs. No, I, I, I don't. Maybe it's because Wurzel plays the solo on it and. That seems he's he's gone by the time they tour. Maybe that's the reason. But it's a good way sh- to win the side, though, isn't it? 
Yeah. They started strong. There was a bit of an iffy patch there, but they brought it back around. Yeah. Say half half decent size. Like two tracks in there which I could you know, take off there, but it doesn't take too much away from the size. Although I do like the second side, but you're missing sacrifice off there. Can't have that on both sides, though, can you? Let's flip the disc. Side two, track number one. All gone to hell. Song. There's a I, lot going on. Yeah. I can't even decipher what really we're, we're talking about. Subject matter here. It's all it's all very sm- all very nice, very smart, but I, I don't I don't get it. It's too smart for me. No, I, I don't get it. I just really like this all. I guess all gone to hell would suggest something's gone very bad, but it's there's the inspirational fighting back message. In the body of the text, feel the bite, feel the bite. No one will ever believe by your side, by your side. Beware the shadow now. Kiss the bride, kiss the bride. Steal the marriage vow. It's this classic rock and roll story. Fight back against oppression. And the demons in your head. Exactly. Yes. Overpower them, overcome them, and rock and roll. I, I like the. Um, it's, it's just such a simple thing in it. The transition between the verse and the guitar and the chorus, where the guitar just does like a little free step, and then it kicks in mm-hmm. with like the quick or the um the faster face chorus. It just just like little touches like that, that way you know it's coming. Like I love a, br- a good pre-chorus, but like that is literally like three notes in, and then away. But I I really like this song. Like like we were saying at the end with. Just you have the lyrics ringing out at the end, just because everything kicks out at the end. Bar the vocals, and it's like, don't you ask me why and how. You must lift the spell. Life could be much more than this unless we've gone to hell. It just really sticks with you at the end. And the the effects on those vocals are so. Mm. There's a lot of reverb and echo, and it's really sort of ethereal sounding. Yeah. I find I I love this. I love this song. Do you think the lyrics are a bit like the songwriting's stronger on this album than it was on Bastards? Yeah. Um I f- well individually I think there's songs in there. Maybe it's because um Phil and Mickey are picking up more of the rhythm mm-hmm. and it's giving Lemmy a bit more time to concentrate on the lyrics. Because we can see we can see like the lyrics are a bit more complex than we've seen on like yeah. previous albums. And I think I think it's a credit where I think Phil or it's either Phil or Mickey says it in the book that that's what works for them. Like, you might not see Lemmy for a bit, but they do the rhythm and they can concentrate all their efforts on doing that and Lemmy can then just come in with his finished vocal. I think he even says on a few of them, like, you know, you go in the studio, 
and you have an idea in your head about how it's going to come out and then it comes out something completely Which different. Happens. I think there's some songs he's saying where for, for one of the one of the songs he had three sets of lyrics and then none for others. <laughs> maybe even. And that's he said that's like the fun of it. Like and you've got to you've got to approach it as that, I suppose, don't you? You can't just like uh, okay, this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna do this. You're gonna do that. It's gonna gel together perfectly. And we're gonna record it. You've got to feel it out, don't you? If it's, it's if it doesn't match, it don't match. It's a hard thing to do as well because I, f- I can't remember what um what film it's on it's one of one of the metallica films where it might be some kind of monster where james comes in and he says like he's to bring in like here's my here's my prize and joy it's my like little baby the demo tape of his song and then like lars and kirk are like well, we'll cut that bit out and then move that bit there and it's like what are you doing to my child <laughs> and everything everything it's good that they can work like this where they trust each other enough to yeah you know, you guys go away and sort the rhythm and we'll do the vocals on top. Because especially with with some songs, because you feel like they really are a part of you and you don't want... I, I'm not handing that over. I'm not letting I'm not letting that guy, like, ruin it with his, well, his vocals or anything. There's something to be said here for the autonomy of Lemmy as well, though, isn't there? Because at this point, it is it is like Lemmy's band and everyone's, yeah. like, there to work for him. Essentially, I keep... I, I, I think he's a cool enough guy that he wouldn't have said that to them. Unless like, he said that to the producers and stuff, obviously, but to the guys in the band. I'd I... like to think by this point, at least, Phil at least, where he's been in like 10 years. Well, this, this point, is the fair problem enough, with it's the band, band. It? Because oh. it's, he, it's the album, he was talking about how Wurzel was like his closest friend in the band. Mm-hmm. Like, he'd known him for so long. And then one day Wurzel just says, I'm gone. I don't like this anymore. And I think you're trying to take money from me. Like that would have cut deep. Yeah. So he's going to be guarded about that for ages, isn't he? He's going to be suspecting the worst. I saw an interview with Lemmy from uh, outtakes from one of the, the Metallica documentaries. And they were talking to him about Jason Newsted. And that could have... Oh, I'm trying to think of what that had been from. Man. He they were talking to him about Jason Newstead and like what what he thought of him. He said, "Oh yeah, he's a good guy. We hang out and stuff." And he's like, "Do you think the guys are treating him fair?" And he's like, "Well, yeah, he's the new guy in the band. You do have to razz them a bit. Like you have to make sure they've earned the place. You you can't let someone just come in off the street and be a rock star straight away because it'll mm. go to their head and it'll take everyone down." Well, with it him. wasn't. I don't want to get into that debate now. I I think Newstead Newstead was treated. You put, so yeah, poorly yeah, yeah, yeah. by well, the other I'm, members I'm of that I've band. I've got a record as not being a Metallica fan, so um, that's just that's more me not being a James Hetfield than yeah. Lars Eric fan, to be but honest. My, <laughs> my thing with with Newstead that he was in Flotsam and Jetsam. He wasn't like just it's some good. guy off the street. It mm. wasn't like because I know Phil Campbell hadn't done a lot when he joined Boathead. I know um, Wurzel had done some bits with with various other outfits, and I'm sure Phil has, but not not to the extent of putting out. Um, albums and EPs with, like on on a label, as it were. But but yeah, I think Newstead was treated terribly in that band. But I'd like to think because obviously Mickey's not exactly come from, he's not just some guy they've picked up. Like he he was in like King Diamond and Merciful Fate yeah, yeah. and everything. Like it's, I think it's one of those things like that everyone had their say, but the last word definitely would have been Lemmy's. Like if you think yeah. like the Roll Crew documentary when they're saying like how they're never gonna play. Manchester again. It's basically Mickey D who's leading the charge, and they're saying, "Well, fuck you. We're gonna go play Liverpool. You know, we'll do what we do." But like, the it's uh, no the the V team. Everyone's working on mm. towards a similar goal. That's all speculation, though. Uh, shall we move one last, on? Well, one last point on oh. that. 
I know you said you said you wouldn't like this, but there's airs of Phil Taylor on drums on this. Yeah, I find you, I think it's if you very... do not like being compared to yeah. <laughs> to anyone. But like the the way the drums it or the, the drum similar. rhythm patterns are like it really feels like this. Maybe not with the type of guitars that are over the top, but it it feels like this won't be out of place on on the classic lineup album yeah. or on like one of the album on one of the first five albums yeah it does uh, of everything on this album this sounds like the most like old school motorhead yeah i think that's a, but, think it, it's it, but it also doesn't sound like anything that would have been a single at any point no no i do i do like it it's one of my favorite tracks on the album though okay okay how do you feel about the next track let's find out make him blind something because it's all about like desolate wastelands mm-hmm. and just the ravages of war and everything and we'll get on to it in the next then, track yeah, <laughs> what was going on on, on fucking making blind I... it is like i know we it's talked weird, about um right? not just me <laughs> fate of black being like the experimental piece but this is another one that kind of does push the envelope a bit further and push them out of the comfort zone a bit because it almost feels like this song's whispers at times, it's like it's really low in the mix, and like even the guitars, like almost palm muted. Everything, it's all like the lyrics are like whispered across until like it kicks it ten thousand times ten thousand. Yeah, more war, death, dystopian future stuff. It's just such a weird fucking groove to it that I I I don't see where where I'd ever listen to that apart from it just being in the background. I mean, I've been mm. bothered to skip the track. <laughs> it's a, it is a bit of a filler track. Um, it's again it's again with that. I think like it was the producer said they didn't feel there was enough material to fill the album when they came in, and a lot of the songs are, I know Motorhead aren't known for their big long complex winding yeah. songs that take you on a journey somewhere but this is this is kind of just but even then, one or two riffs switch yeah. between even the songs like that like there's so many things to admire about it it's just like it's just little parts of it mm. like the riffs are sweet the the drum pattern is like different i think like, the lyrics even like probably just were just chucked together but still there's stuff in there man that's the bit i liked uh uh, we are, uh, and so the path is made for us, and so we bring the plague with us. We are the ones you made of us. You'll never understand that dystopian things is you know it's it's all been brought about by humanity's own fault. Yeah, it's which it, is a big lemmy message, isn't it? People suck. <laughs> yeah, 
Lemmy's got a really interesting way of like conveying, like he can build a scene with very few words. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's at the end of the first verse. Unnumbered bones for us to count. The warlord is the honored guest. Hands all dripping red. It's yeah, free lines. Shit, yo. <laughs> yeah, this is this is what I'm saying. Like the Mad Max thing or Conan or something like that. It really paints that sort of picture within three short lines. If only it was just a little bit shorter. You know, longest, longest one on the album. And it does drag a bit. It does pick up towards the end. At least it's not the same all the way through. Well, but from that to the next one is a, is a weird bounce indeed, isn't it? You don't like it when they mix it up so much, do you? It's not like... You see the conflict? Not like that jarringly. <laughs> like, like, put it on the start of the second size... Don't put it like after <laughs> after making blinds. Let's let's have a listen to what Matt's gonna start complaining about with Don't waste your time. The placement on the records. (laughs) If they put it at the start of the side, it would have misled people too much. They they needed the pick me up after those two fucking depressing dystopian things, man. Yeah, you've got you've got a song about like the ravages of war and just this this hellish like dystopian (laughs) landscape filled with like you know an unnumberable. What is it? like just a number of unnumbered bones like littering like the landscape and just everyone just covered and dripping in blood and everything and then it's it's this like nice little piano rock and roll ditty <laughs> with a saxophone solo in it well I it would, doesn't go <laughs> i would argue that uh, this is some fucking next level deep interpretation that's not necessary at all that that is the the prelude to the dystopian world. He said, "Like, look, if we all don't waste our time worrying about this shit, it won't turn out that bad." You know what I mean? Like, I've heard this song many times, but I've never really looked at the lyrics at the same time. Because it, it, it is just an old school rock and roll piano number. But then the the, the actual content of it is really fucking bold, man. The, uh... I mean, it links in with like sex and death, doesn't it? Where it's you know, we're we're here and that's yeah, but that's no, the philosophy around it. Just no, have a good time. Yeah, but I would argue that it's different because sex and death is like little, just fucking be happy and die. But then this one is, uh, don't chase after money. Uh, you're gonna lose your soul. Same for religion. No shit. Uh, same for religion out of control. Don't fall for money or heroin again. Needles are your only bullshit from your friends. We're all go. We're all going same as we came. Bought the fucking picture and we're paying for the frame. I'd love that line. Uh, so that, that sex and death is like you know the uh, what's the word? Uh, overindulgence of life when this is just like you know, 
have a good time but be a good dude That's uh, and, and don't do heroin <laughs> don't do heroin which is a, another good lemmy moral that we should all bring forward just don't do heroin do do else do else do everything else you gotta do just stay away from the needle we, write, we haven't had a don't do heroin song for yes, a while and we, there should be more enjoy life don't do heroin the end this this should be on bastards yeah this shouldn't be on this album maybe it was a leftover but that, why wasn't it on bastards swap it like put I am the sword on this or something then that would have that would have really fit I, I don't know From I'd love the song like taking nothing away from the song you can imagine it like placed like near Docks of Rock or something in like a, a proper belter of a set I don't know how these do the saxophone solo <laughs> um, as a free piece way. but but now it's a bit it's absolute belter of a tune it's just I just don't think it fits with I the other songs the on this album. One on the album yeah definitely catchy Old school like verse chorus structure, isn't it? Yeah, to hark. Well, so there's lots I always of... shout going to Brazil <laughs> over parts of this. You can cause... shout going to Brazil. You can shout uh, don't lie to me, don't lie. To me. It blends in with a lot of stuff. Let's yeah. be honest here. But you know that's because it's part of the formula that works. <laughs> Experiment on the formula is all well and good, but you know sometimes the experiment's going to be a flop. It works, just not on this album. That's that's my whole point of this. It just doesn't well, work on this album. He can't plan ahead that far. You know, the ideas come to him when they come to him. Came to him when they came to him. Shall we do the next in another time? The last song. Second to last song. Oh, is it? Yep. We got another two. Oh yeah. Got to save your best to last before we get to that. In another time. on this right chorus writing is like the heart of any song and when you can write a chorus that changes ever so slightly and it's still just as catchy it's like a fucking hard thing to do and pull off so right man because you know where you are when it's like here we are win or lose good or bad flash fast and loose and then the next chorus the next chorus is here we are win or draw badly used badly scored it's fucking oh it cements it it brings it in it's catchy but it's also keeping it alive and different fresh like this this song is just hooks so good like the entire song is just the guitar on that chorus as well when it comes in so heavy because it's already heavy but then he fucking steps on the overdrive on that thing that's classic fucking metal that man that's classic metal just the fucking heaviness of that guitar the weights you can hear through the speakers fuck yeah it says something for mickey's um cymbal and bass drum Mm. as well because as the riff kicks in it's like yeah it just gives it so he's heavy so much more weight to it when it comes in but like this whole song is just built on like solid hooks 
Dust on a mirror turns black, the reflection is flawed, all the mirrors are cracked. Strange how the glass seems to sing, but the words are like death, they could be anything. Like, awesome. See, it's still that, like, the vibe of the album we've had with the, you know, apocalyptic as shit, but it's, it it's, could fit into that, but it can also be its own just generic metal thing, generic in a good way metal thing. Uh, something that kind of maybe relevant Cherokee Studios where they recorded this like they were in like the cheapest part of it which they described as being like the most miserable place on earth <laughs> and so- somewhat like a, this, a submarine I just get the vibe that where they must have been must have been so terrible when they were writing yeah. these songs it's described by the, like the producer and this is the producer and everyone and the co-producer even as like a miserable experience with some good work came out of yeah I mean it's like the it's all of actuality in this it seems where you've got you've got the mirror but it's it's the reflection so it should be the same but it's different again and again like looking through the eyes of the mask and look looking at how different it is from a different perspective how different it would have been in another time Mm. yes look at us we're a well-read gentleman who listens to heavy metal music i do i do like the i just got this image of them recording this where Obviously, they've got this this giant room and try and get the the best drum sound possible. And from the description it gives in there, because it says it's almost like a U boat, yeah. like where they record the guitars and the vocal. I just imagine this proper like dingy like cupboard with just like <laughs> like there's water coming through the ceiling and like there's puddles yeah. of, of water like forming in the corner of the room and everything. All feels the art, dingy. Man. Yeah. What a great song. That's probably, you know, no disrespect to Cherokee Studios because they might actually be a, quite a nice studio and there's not, it's not all dank and dingy uh, and mm-hmm. everything. But... Uh, Henry Rollins said it was a very nice place. Uh, that's, that's, uh, would have been a good closer, but there's another song. There is another song. There is another song, which, my favourite song on the album. Your favourite song on the album. Uh, it's, it's Above Sacrifice. Uh, above Sacrifice. Sacrifice is probably in, like the fourth in this album for me. I, I love this album, apparently. Out of the sun, what a friggin' June. Let's get this shit going, man. starts off with just like just a riff and a vocal and then a boom everyone comes in heavy with the theme goes up to that chorus to get the vocal change and the pitch back to that fucking and then that solo out of nowhere as well that's a i think that's the best solo on the album it's wazel as well isn't yeah. it one of wazel's too great song it's ju- it's again like um like the previous track it's just hooks all the hooks <laughs> <laughs> all the hooks the wind is cold where I live. Lizard is my. Oh, it's just. 
It's so cool. He could just he just like chuck these lyrics up and they're just fucking brilliant. You know, <laughs> he just wrote them on the back of a fucking bar mat somewhere and it just works perfectly. I think this might be the like. It's definitely death is life where I live. It's just on its own. It's just fucking fantastic. The whole album, I feel, is like I don't, I'm not saying it's the peak, but in terms of consistency. Mm. Like, as I know, sometimes it's up and down between albums. I mean, we've poked fun at some of the some of the lyrics on, like, Iron Fist and things. But, like, just solidly all the way through. I mean, the song's quality's a bit up and down, but the lyrics are just... just hit such a high mark in terms of, like, how consistent they are. Just poetry, it is. And I think, I think maybe that's to do with the writing process where Lemmy really can just concentrate on doing the lyrics... And he knows he can trust Phil and, and Mickey to just put out a banging record. Whatever they were doing worked. I don't know what the people were saying about that not being ready to be done. Even let me said it's one of his favourite albums. Yeah. The, the only dip for me is on that first side where you've got War for War and what's the track before it? Over Your Shoulder. Over Your Shoulder, where it's just a bit slow and a bit lumbering and they don't really go anywhere. Like if you'd maybe put them on different sides... Fair enough. And of course, don't waste your time, which I love. Just, just don't put it on this record. Put it on the next record, but it would have sounded perfectly in place on Overnight Sensation. Um, I would say maybe cut back on Make Them Blind and All Gone to Hell next to each other. Just choose one or the other or make one of them shorter. Mm. Apart from that, I'm content with the album. I'll, I'll take Fade to Black if it means having everything else. Great album. It is. I mean, I I love that. I can't say enough good about about this song as well, like the the pre-chorus as mm. well. Like I, again, loving a good pre-chorus, and like this one's they're catchy, and then the key change going into the chorus. Yeah, like amazing. Do you remember? I played this in your car going to a practice once, and it was just when you were starting to get really deep into Motorhead. And I was like, well, what are you doing? Listen to like the arse end of this album. Like, There's so many like great singles and stuff. And you had this on. I was like, actually, this is a fucking amazing song. Yeah. So that encouraged me to start listening to more stuff that I didn't usually listen to. And this is in my top five. The there's a lot in five. this top yeah, five. Know, yeah, but like, fucking out, out of the Sun's definitely in there. There's a lot in this top five. I remember buying this with Bastards. So oh, I bought like this yeah. and Bastards I at the same with, time. I had it in a double CD box set with uh, Overnight Sensation. I had them separately, but just both of those albums were were brilliant. Because um, then I think we got talking. I remember one conversation where I'm talking about like different periods and what we liked, and obviously it was before um, a lot of the the later albums had come out about what was the favorite era. And at that time, I really preferred like this and Bastards to the Bronze Age stuff. Mm-hmm. Like like these were just what i what i loved like the bronze age stuff i can i could take most of overkill or pretty much all of overkill a lot of bomber a couple of tracks on ace of spades but like this and bastards just yeah it's just more metal good all the way through yeah speaks more to the angry young man like not nothing wrong with rock and roll don't get me wrong but sometimes you just want like the heaviness to be there you need to see someone get murdered basically is what i'm saying (laughs) that's all this album is apart from it's dick um, tongues and murder and that's what i like tongues murder and um honky tonk piano uh apparently you need that on every album (laughs) so go on then a favorite song from the album joe i'm gonna have to go sugar's the back there's too many to name 
it's really difficult to pick a favourite song because obviously you have to put Sacrifice in there because it's Sacrifice. But I don't know if I'm just thinking of the drum solo as well mm-hmm. and having like the live experience. Um, Dogface Boy, uh, all gone to hell in another time out of the sun. Just all the second signs basically apart from them, which is fine. Uh, which again, I uh, there's too many to name. It's a solid album all the way through. It's just let down a bit by War for War and Over Your Shoulder. So is, I it, think. is it in your like top albums? It's up there, mm-hmm. definitely. Is it in the top five albums or is it in the top ten? I I can't. Well, it seems the top ten since <laughs> there's only twenty albums. <laughs> or is it twenty two yeah. albums? But it's up there. Like it's and it deserves from to be. from this era, it's really difficult to choose between this and bastards. It's really difficult. As I say, I was listening to them both at the same time, and I, th- I think the only thing that lets this down is those two songs on the first side, and I think the budget of the album lets it down a bit. Yeah, it's just a shame it didn't have the budget that bastards did, and I think a lot of people would revisit this album a lot more. It's just a it's a bit heavy for some people, and I think the guitar sound lets it down. I think it's a good starting place, this album. So, uh, you know, a young young metalhead who's just got his first patch jacket, you know. I'd rather give him this than one of the, the uh, original lineup things. Yeah, it's really difficult to, like, if someone's getting into Motorhead, what what album do you give them? If they're like, oh, I've, I've heard Ace of Spades and Overkill. What album do you give them? I think most people would pick Bastards, but this is a solid album to overlooking... Sort of some elements of the production. This the only other one I can think of is Inferno. Right on, right on. Inferno's good. Which album. I'm looking forward to getting. Yeah, long way together, away. Yeah. <laughs> Especially we keep stopping to do all these side things, which we will do next month on the Motorhead Monthly Podcast, because uh, you know we're with these people. You'll be married by this time next month, man. How do you feel about that? Oh yeah, we'll be. I'm very <laughs> looking forward to. It. So am I. It's gonna be a good time. Yeah, good day. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, you'll hear what it is next time. Uh, you know, do the social medias. Actually, when this goes out, I might already be married. It goes out on the seventh, the eighth. Now you won't be. But we're put, this is we're recording these out of order. Anyway, I'm assume I'm married now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's us done for another month. Uh, thanks for listening. Tell other people to listen to. There's a good uh, metal podcast community online there, which I'm not engaged in because I don't do Twitter. I don't. Li- I don't like social media, guys. We don't need it in this day and age, but we do need it to promote our things. <laughs> so, thanks for listening. Check out all the stuff on tophatsandcanes.com. and check out my short film that's going to be up there shortly as well. Or don't, whatever. Just do make sure that you're going to be here next month for another episode of Motorhead Monthly. Excelsior! <laughs> <laughs>